Psalm 18 and commencing at verse 1. <coughs> and the title of this psalm says to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my cry out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils, and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. The brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed. Hailstones and coals afar. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave his voice. Hailstones and coals afar. Yea, he sent out his arrows and scattered them, and he shot out lightnings and discomfited them. Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me? For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word, ending there at verse 21. <coughs> Psalm 18 was penned by David in the day that the Lord delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies. And that included the hand of Saul, as we can see in the title of this psalm. Of course, the psalm, uh, in regard to the original Hebrew, it was written in. Uh, if we look at that psalm, uh, the title is not separate, as it would be in the English translation, but the title is part of the psalm itself. It is an inspired title. And so it is a true title that reminds us of the occasion when this was penned. And therefore, victory is the context behind this psalm. The victory of David because of the Lord. 
And this is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving then. It is similar, apart from some minor alterations, from the song of David that is found in 2 Samuel, chapter 22. The Reformation Heritage Study Bible states that this song of David testifies to his recognition that he owes everything to the Lord's mercy, covenant faithfulness, and timely provisions. He is careful to give the Lord thanks, the thanks and praise that he deserves. Similarly, we should be conscious and sensitive to all that God does for us in preserving, protecting, and providentially meeting our every need. Like David, we should lift our hearts and voices in praise and thanksgiving. God does not grow weary of the praise of his people. And so tonight, this is a song of triumph, of deliverance, of victory over the enemy, and trust in the God of heaven. And it reminds us that we are to give thanks to the Lord for the great victories and the deliverances that he has bestowed upon us. When David received the victory here, what did he do? He did not idly party and dance as the world would party and dance, but he turns in thankfulness to the Lord and in praise to the Lord. And that is something for us to remind ourselves about. When the Lord answers our cries, when the Lord delivers us, when the Lord blesses us, how do we react? The world reacts with great news. If the Vancouver Canucks won the Stanley Cup, we would know how this area would react. If they're in downtown, there would be great celebration and they would not be short of a pint or two of alcohol. Celebrating in a worldly, secular fashion, in a fleshly way, is something that, in regard to spiritual matters, does not really matter at all. But yet we as God's people, when we have something that God has done for us, we are to react, not in that way the ungodly react, but in thanks and praise and rejoicing to the God of heaven for what he has done. And so tonight I want us to consider Praising God for his victory. Praising God for his victory. And in this Psalm of David, we see three things. Of course, like all of these Psalms, we see more than three things. There's 50 verses, and there's much that we could spend time upon. But we're given a summary of some of the truths in this Psalm. And so we have three thoughts. David's triumph in the Lord for his deliverance. David's triumph in the Lord for his deliverance. And the very first three verses of this psalm focus our attention upon David's love to the Lord. I will love thee, he says, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. And he continues that thought. Verse three, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. And David here, he's focused upon the Lord. He's focused upon what the Lord is to him. He's focused upon uh, the greatness of his God and how the Lord is a deliverer and a strong fortress for him. But he loves him. And is there evidence within our lives, dear believer, to show that we love the Lord in everything we do and say and think and those things that others don't see, those inward things, inward thoughts, inward emotions, actions that are not visible to the world? Is it evident within our lives that we truly love And have a passionate love for our God. And that love ought to be a continual love. 
and a love that never ceases. Of course, we are not perfect and we are sinners saved by grace, but we ought to desire to continually love the Savior, to love him without ceasing for all that he has done for us. Our love for God ought not to change as the wind. It ought not to fall away in the difficult times. And to apply it to Canada, it ought not to be like the snow that falls and remains for a season and then melts away. But our love for Christ ought to be there all the time, constantly growing within us. And it is a love for the person and work of God. And it is expressed in keeping his commandments by delighting ourselves in his law, by serving him, by praising him. And the opening phrase is David's foundation in life. Love for his God. Love for his God. The hymn writer said, (coughs) I will love thee in life, I will love thee in death, and praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath. And say, when the death dew lies cold on my brow, If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. David here, in his love for the Lord, he uses a number of terms to illustrate who God is to him. And here he is triumphing in the Lord for his deliverance. His focus is upon the Lord. His triumph, it's not in himself. He's not saying, I got the victory. I won the fight. I did this. I saved my kingdom. I took the kingdom from Saul. No, he is referring and taking the focus off himself and placing it upon his God. And he uses a number of terms here. Firstly, in verse 1, we find my strength, my strength. And this term in our authorized version appears twice in verse 1 and 2. But it is the translation of two different words. The first word refers to help in the original Hebrew. And the second word, strength, has the idea of a rock, a boulder, or cliff face, which is in keeping with the other terms used by the psalmist, uh, like, <clears throat> like rock, fortress, etc. And so I will love thee, O Lord, my help. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my refuge, my rock, uh, to use the meaning of these Hebrew words instead of the directly translated word. So David is acknowledging here that his strength, that his help, is from his God. It's not his help or strength that has got this victory. It's the Lord. And we all to be mindful of that, dear believer, constantly. The strength that God gives us is a marvelous thing. And a thing to praise him for and to acknowledge. He also says, verse 2, my rock. In the original Hebrew, the word rock here signifies something lofty or a stronghold. John Gill said, to whom the saints have recourse for shelter and safety, for supply, support and divine refreshment, and in whom they are secure, and in whom they build the hopes of eternal life and happiness, and so are safe from all enemies and from all danger. Christ is called a rock on all these accounts. And in the Psalms, we have that on occasion. Uh, where the Lord is referred to as a rock, as this place of shelter. There is an island between the island of Ireland and Great Britain. It's in the Irish Sea. It's called the Isle of Man. And despite the name, it's not just men that live there. There's women who live there too. Uh, The Isle of Man, it has been settled for centuries. And it is old and quaint. 
There's a number of castles on it. It's a nice place to visit. There's a free Presbyterian work, a very small free Presbyterian work on the island. And I remember going there for the first time when I was six years of age. And the first time I preached on the Lord's Day uh, was in this particular place. But in the capital of that island, uh, there is in the harbour a small island that's really a rock and there's a tower upon it. And it's referred to as a tower of refuge. And it was built there some uh, man who had money uh, came and he built a refuge on that rock for sailors who had lost their way, who had maybe been shipwrecked uh, back many, many years ago. And it was a place where they could go for safety. There were supplies there to help them. And when the storm eased, then they could be rescued. Uh, But it is a prominent feature in the harbour or the bay of that particular town. And it reminds us of what David is saying here. The Lord is my rock. He's a place of safety. And so when you were shipwrecked, when you had to leave your ship and, and swim, you didn't have to swim all the way to the shore. There was this rock in the center of the bay where there was this tower of refuge for you, to help you. And I believe there are other places that were developed in such a way as well. And the Lord is that to us in the midst of the storm of life and the troubles of life and the enemy coming upon us. He's our rock of refuge, the one that we can run to and cling to and rest upon for shelter and safety, supply, support and refreshment, as John Gill said. We also see the word fortress. This is reference to a castle or to a defense. A fortress was a place that strengthened the area. It strengthened uh, the defenses of a particular army in that region. And uh, Many years ago, I was in Masada uh, that overlooks the Dead Sea in Israel. And uh, By the time I went, they had built a cable car that went from the bottom to the top. Uh, other trips that had went before, they had to hike from the bottom to the top and walk all the way. Uh, but by the time I arrived there, they took pity on me and they built a cable car. Although in those days, I could have walked to the top uh, no problem. Uh, but it was nice to have uh, that right up to the top. And as we were up there, this is a fortress on a flat rock, as it were, a big rock, a mountain, and it's flat on top. This fortress was built as a place of defense for the Romans. Uh, there were, there were uh, those who were rebelling later on against Rome, and they made their last stand there. And there's a great slaughter uh, took place um, by the Roman army on these uh, Jewish rebels. Uh, but it's a great fortress, place of defense, a place hard to get to. And because if you were going to conquer that place, well, you'd have to climb up. First of all, by the time you climb up, you'd want to take a break uh, to rest before you attack the fortress. But that's not going to happen because there's nowhere to rest uh, from the enemy at that time. It's a place of defense. And again, the Lord is like that to us. He is our castle. He is our fortress. And dear believer, if we have trials in life and the enemy and Satan is pressing down upon us, we're to look to the Lord. For he is our great defense. David says as well, verse 2, my deliverer. He is the one who delivers his people out of affliction. And David knew this from experience. This is what this psalm is about, deliverance. The Lord delivered him and he's rejoicing in it. 
And he's telling God's people, the Lord delivered me. And the implication is then the Lord can deliver you as well. And the last great deliverance is from death and from the sting of sin through Christ. He is the one who has the victory. The victory over the devil, the victory over the grave, the victory for his people. He refers then, verse 2, to my God. And the name for God here is El, which signifies the Almighty, the one who is able to save, the one who is the covenant God of his people, the Almighty One. The Almighty One. And this verse is just filled with terms that lift God up and show David triumphing in God who his deliverer is. He is his trust. Again, verse 2. The Lord was his refuge and he trusted in him and his trust was not misplaced. We can place our trust in individuals that disappoint us, that betray us. The Lord Jesus Christ, the God of heaven, are not those who are like men, not at all. The trust that we place in them is a firm trust. It's a real trust. It's a trust that will never be broken. A trust that will never be proven to be false because it is not false. And therefore in life, and when the struggles come upon us, we have one that we can truly depend in. Truly depend in. David says, in whom will I trust? That trust was not misplaced. My buckler, that term refers to a shield and to a protector. The horn of my salvation. This is a metaphor from horned beasts who push and scatter and destroy their enemies and make use of their horns in that way. Then he refers to my high tower. Again, a place of refuge and safety. A tower that is high. A tower that we could say is something that watches, watches over. Again, when I was in the Isle of Man, on one occasion, I arrived at the airport and I sat beside a man and I thought I recognized him. He was an elder in one of our churches in Northern Ireland. And so I said, you know, excuse me, are you so-and-so? And he said, yes. And I says, well, I'm Andrew Fitton. You're going to the Isle of Man to preach. And he says, yes. And I says, well, We've got a problem because so am I. There's two of us booked to go to preach the same date. And so we ended up going together. We, we didn't, he was going to go home. And I says, well, it could be me who's made the mistake. Uh, but it wasn't. There was a voicemail left asking him to change his date. And he didn't realize. And so both of us went. We struck up a friendship. It was a great time. And uh, we got uh, the flight canceled on the way back. And so... Uh, we went for a walk around the town the church was in. And there was this big, again, cliff, uh, like a peninsula going out into the sea. And there was a tower upon it. And so we climbed the tower. And uh, we enjoyed, it was February, it was cold. Uh, but it was a lovely day. We climbed that tower. We could see all over uh, that part of the island. We were high up. Uh, we couldn't go up the tower itself. But the view we had at the bottom of the tower was tremendous. And if we had climbed to the top, it would be even better. I'm looking there across the town. We could see the church. We could see where we had walked from. It was amazing looking over. You could see everything. And this is the idea here. The Lord is our high tower. He's watchful. He sees all. Those things that come upon us 
And those difficulties that nobody else sees, the Lord sees and he knows. And he is our help. He is our trust. He is our strength. He is watching. He is watching. And so dear believer, let us encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let us encourage ourselves in David's triumph here. And rejoice that we have such a God who will deliver us. And then secondly, we have David's magnification of the Lord's deliverance. David's magnification of the Lord's deliverance. As we consider these verses, if we move to verses 4 to 19. David is not exaggerating the Lord's deliverance in the way that we can exaggerate or place too much emphasis on a great or positive event in this world. We can never vainly overemphasize what the Lord has done for us. Uh, but there are many who overemphasize things. We can see that in Canada. Uh, Justin Trudeau won the election. Isn't that a great thing, people say? And well, some of us might think that's a little overemphasized. That's not quite true. And there are events that happen to us and so much emphasis is placed upon them. But when it comes to the Lord, we can never <coughs> vainly overemphasize what he has done for us. We can never praise him enough. We can never thank him enough for all his wondrous works. And David here magnifies what the Lord has done. And he speaks about the smoke out of his nostrils. And bowing the heavens and riding upon a cherub. And the thundering, verse 13, in the heavens. And David focuses upon his situation. Verse 4, the sorrows of death compassed me. And the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. He focuses on the situation he was in. The enemy poured in like a flood and he was afraid. There's no shame in being afraid. The Lord's servant is admitting his fear. And it is beneficial for us to always admit our fear. Rather than making futile attempts to hide it. Or to be filled with pride and lifted up. To admit that we are afraid. And let that fear turn us to the Lord. He cries to the Lord. In verse 6. In my distress I call upon the Lord. He heard my voice. This is something we've often considered. David had a complete confidence in the power of prayer. And we ought to possess that and have that ourselves. He knew the Lord could hear. And he's magnifying God here. God heard me. The God of heaven heard my cry. We see verses 7 to 19 then. David stands against, or the Lord stands against his enemies and delivers his servant. And David uses this great language to describe and emphasize what the Lord has done for him. And there's a thought here. The Lord moved in great power to deliver David. A modern description would be he spurred no expense. For his glorious power was displayed. And we see here the authority in these verses. The authority God has over all his creation. And that same authority, as David is emphasizing here, is used in the care, protection, and deliverance of every child of God. And then secondly, we see his complete deliverance of David. We don't have too much time to look at all of these verses, obviously. But we see in verse 18, the Lord was my stay. And this deliverance was a finished work. It reminds us of the finished work of Christ for his people. And when the Lord saves and delivers us, it is a finished work. When the Lord delivers us from our enemies and helps us in life, it is a work that is sufficient for us. He was brought into a place of freedom and he was delivered. 
He magnified the deliverance of his God. And we ought always to remember what the Lord has done in our deliverance. What happened to Israel in the book of Judges? They forgot. They forgot and they fell into sin. And dear believer, to protect us from falling into sin, we're to remember what the Lord has done for us. We're to never forget it. Never forget it. And then thirdly and finally, David glorified God for his deliverance. David glorified God for his deliverance. Uh, We come then to the last 21 verses or so, verses 29 to 50. There's a lengthy portion here that we have not read. uh, But we see that the Lord is glorified. And David glorifies him for his great deliverance. Verse 28, he is the one who enlightens his darkness there's a great light in the darkness and that light is God we can think of the savior he's the great light in the darkness of this world and this is something that glorifies God the light coming in the darkness the Lord gives enabling power verse 29 for by thee I have run through a troop and by my God have I leaped over a wall I think if some of us were to leap over a wall tonight we might need a little help And uh, we see then the emphasis David is having here. He's downcast. The enemy is upon him. And he has a wall to leap over as it were. And it's God who helps him. God who helps him. And in our difficulties and being surrounded by the enemy. It is the Lord who gives us enabling power. Enabling power. The soldiers. He's running through a company of men. He's leaping a wall, perhaps not literally, but it's illustrative of what the Lord is doing in delivering power. David should have been set upon, destroyed or entrapped, but because of the Lord, he was delivered. And that is something to rejoice in. Verses 30 to 31, David sets the Lord apart from men and false religion. Verse 31, for who is God? Save the Lord. Or who is a rock? Save our God. If you move to verse 49, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. There's praise here. There's deliverance and mercy. The Lord has delivered David, but he's delivered David forevermore because of Christ and the great deliverance through Christ. And so we see here in how the Lord delivers David, it is glorifying to him. And the Lord has delivered us. He's delivered us from sin. That is glorifying to his name. Let us glorify him and praise him for his salvation, for his help and his strength within our lives. In closing, Matthew Henry said in singing these verses, we must give God the glory of the victories of Christ and his church hitherto and of all the deliverances and advancements of the gospel kingdom and encourage ourselves and one another with an assurance that the church militant will be shortly triumphant and will be eternally so. May we give God the glory for the great victories he has wrought for us, for his name's sake. Amen. Amen.